Are you single and wondering why you keep meeting suboptimal people online? Don't worry, the problem might not be you. Hi fam, welcome back to season three of We're Going There. If you're new around these here parts, then you know I love talking about healthy relationships. Now, just because you're married, that doesn't mean that you get to tune out or tune off. Why? Because we all have single friends who are ready to mingle like a Pringle. I'm going to safely wager that they would love if you empathized and had knowledge around the struggles of dating and, and maybe even provide some tips on how to date and mate well. For those who are single, let's go there and talk about online dating. Thanks to social distancing and a global pandemic, online dating has really been neutralized and naturalized over the last year. But now we're in the morose of murky waters of meeting people digitally. Are you frustrated that your matches are subpar or connections lackluster? It could be how we're using the apps. So let's take a few minutes and talk about it. When we start dating, we all have an ideal partner in mind. And some of us have a list to help us narrow down our search. But what happens when we apply those rules to our online dating search? According to a study conducted with 1,500 active online daters, 85% reported of having a list of seven main requirements that they use when searching these apps. If you're taking note, these are the seven main requirements. Physical features, body type, education level, personality type, political view, and religious affiliation. However, when they search for potential dates using their apps, 70% reported selecting people based on just one or two of their list requirements. Even when they ignored or abandoned their own requirements, after the first date, 90% reported their selection lacked chemistry when they met in real life. What are some reasons that this happens? That is what I want to discuss before we hop into our interview today. And in full discourse, I'm not talking about online dating and apps from a theoretical position. Not only did I meet my husband online 10 years ago, I'm currently on four dating apps and managing them weekly for a friend who just feels really overwhelmed in the process. So here are three reasons why apps could be messing with your mindset. Number one, the dating paradox. Okay, bear with me, friends, bear with me. Dating apps are creating a paradox effect, as in giving an illusion of many choices while making it harder to find viable options. Hello. As in, more doesn't always mean better. Apps have become the new social hangout spot, so maybe you unknowingly walk into what feels like an online frat party, a drunk fest, 2 a.m. stragglers, or a concubine expecting to find decent people. This is not just disempowering, it actually erodes your self-esteem and alters your decision-making ability. The end result is not making you pickier. It's making you choose based on lowered expectations. Ouch. Number two, vanity validation. Okay, I know we don't want to talk about this, but I think this is super important to mention. Since some daters are interfacing digitally more than physically, it's much easier to emotionally manipulate others because they are reliant on what I call vanity validation. Their digital persona is constantly seeking more validation through electronic likes or swipes or hearts, not real life experiences. The paradox effect in dating is creating the illusion of having more social engagement, social capita, and popularity, but masking one's true persona, the one you portray on social, and the true you. For some, creates a double consciousness. Which is the one that's actually going on these dates? Which is the one that's actually talking to people online? Can you have a better sense of what you want when you are experiencing cognitive dissonance? Probably not. So we're treating people like our social media streams. The shiniest object is what we briefly focus on and move on to the next shiny object. Yes, we are an immediate gratification culture, but our needs aren't being met when we scan, swipe, and dismiss. We're overlooking good candidates for those photo filters that are better. You aren't in the market for the best camera skills, friend. 
You're searching for someone that can life co-create with you. Okay, lastly, this is my favorite. Apps allow subpar behavior. Yep, if you're taking note, ghosting, benching, haunting, and breadcrumbing. Yeah, insert the next suboptimal behavior here. This, all this behavior is being normative. Okay, if you're sitting here like, I have no idea what those words even mean. Okay, you might be familiar with ghosting. That's when you're there one minute and gone the next. But what about benching? For those in the dating world, you keep those people like kind of in the loop, giving them a little bit of hope that they might be able to play in the game. But at the end of the day, they're just on the bench. So ghosting, benching, now haunting. Haunting is my new favorite one. That's when you've ghosted somebody and after a few weeks or months, maybe even years, you come back out of the blue. And lastly, breadcrumbing, where you give somebody just enough to think that the relationship can survive, but it's really not providing sustenance. Okay, so according to research, 80% reported that it being easier to ghost, bench, gaslight, or breadcrumb because of lack of communication and face-to-face interaction. Hello. Many reported that using apps was very ego-validating and helped boost their confidence. That's right. They're looking to boost their confidence or ego by racking up matches or roses or hearts or likes, but they have no real intention of meeting you. On today's episode, we get to chat with Dr. Christy Kadarian, a nationally renowned psychologist and licensed marriage family therapist, specializing in the psychology of relationships. Hello, dream job. With an extensive career as a professional matchmaker and relationship expert for eHarmony and Match.com, Christy has helped hundreds of people find love and improve their relationships. She has her doctoral degree from the University of Southern California, go Trojans, in psychology and marriage and family therapy. She's also a radio host of Lyrical Therapy Hour and has been featured on Wall Street Journal, Los Angeles Times, Cosmo, NBC News, and many more. But before we hop into the interview, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Friends, I'm so excited that we get to welcome Christy Kadarian, relationship expert to the show today. And here's the thing. There's lots of people out there that talk about being a relationship expert or relationship coach, but I don't feel like they could warrant the title. In fact, when people say, oh, Bianca, you're such a relationship expert. I'm really not. I'm a relationship advocate. And the reason why I'm passionate about this is because there are people who really study the psychology of relationship. And today I'm so honored and excited to have Christy on the show. Christy, welcome to We're Going There. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Bianca. Okay. So I want to know before we go into like the brass tacks and relationship wisdom and relationship knowledge that you have, because you are wealth of it. You are a learned woman and a studied woman. But one of my favorite things about you is that you actually worked at eHarmony. So yes, I did. <laughs> and I just told you before the interview that my husband and I met through eHarmony. So I already feel like I have a kismet match and I'm just grateful for you and the work that you put into <laughs> helping people find love and also love their life. So give me a little backstory. What made you passionate about relationships? Because before you become like a talking head or a voice, I want people to know your heart. Cause I think that when they know your heart, they'll be able to, they'll be more prone to listen to you and your wisdom. So why relationships? Why are you a love doctor? Yeah, I love that. And I so appreciate that about your platform is just getting to the real person uh, beyond all of the things that we've done. Um, So I have always been somebody that's loved people. And when I was initially starting to think about what I wanted to study, I naturally gravitated towards psychology. My mom also studied psychology and she, I always called her my personal therapist. She was always so safe and loving and always had the right advice. And as I started studying, 
studying psychology um, in my undergrad, I went to USC for all my degrees, I got very interested in specifically how relationships affect who we are. And as a Christian, obviously, we know that our relationship with the Lord affects all parts of our identity and who we are. So we're basically built for relationships. So when I was narrowing down what I wanted to do, I started researching um, specifically marriage and family therapy and relationship patterns. And that's where what I got my master's in. But it made sense for me, both parts of my identity as a believer were really intertwined in community and how much our relationship with God and others affects who we are, our mental health and our identity, as well as my cultural background as an Armenian. I just saw the effect specifically of a family and how our families can really impact ourselves and our identity and our influence. So both of those things just really aligned. And when I learned about family systems and how relationships can really be healthy, that clicked with me. And I said, I want to study this. I became fascinated with love um, specifically and how people fall in love and why. And when I worked with couples in marriage and family therapy, I thought, okay, these are all the things that are not working for these people, but what are the things that could work before they actually meet their person? And that's kind of how I um, found um, my job at eHarmony and my passion in helping singles find love. I, I love this and I'm so grateful because I found love through eHarmony. Now, what people need to understand is now online dating is very common, especially post COVID, you know, Rona made everyone turn into a different person, you know? So I think it's super normalized now. And it's probably one of the better ways to meet someone because the vetting processes, at least the beginning stages of the vetting process is done. Now, when I met my husband 10 years ago, it was still weird. You know, it was still like Craigslist killer and there was kind of creepy <laughs> and like, are you really that desperate that you go to online dating? And so, um, my sister shout out Jasmine. I know she listens to the podcast. Jasmine was actually, she got connected with a psychologist for me, Harmony, and she worked with them on their project. And so as she was working on the project at non sequitur, she turns them and says like, so tell me, does this thing really work? And I loved his response. I'd never forgotten it. He said, we don't promise people soulmates. We promise people compatibility that you are going to be put in a pool of people who are compatible with you. And that's one of the greatest assets and resources. And so Jasmine came home and she's just like, look, you're getting older. And unless you want someone to, you got, you think that God's going to drop someone at the, your doorstep. And she's like, well, then you better like the, uh, the, the FedEx guy, because no one else is coming to the door. And that the hard love for my sister, the wisdom of the psychologist actually pushed me to go into eHarmony. So tell me about your job at eHarmony before we get into some of the questions that I've gotten from uh, people online uh, about love and relationships, but why eHarmony? What did you learn while you were there? Yeah, I love your story and I love how it kind of broke that stigma and believe it or not, we still somewhat have that stigma, but I think the way that eHarmony has been so revolutionary in the world of online dating is that they're putting that research-backed methodology. It was formed, the Dimensions of Compatibility by psychologist, Dr. Neil Clark Warren, who's from my hometown in Pasadena, and he created eHarmony basically to reduce the divorce rate. He was a Christian and he believed that if we could match people effectively, we wouldn't see such a high divorce rate. And especially even in, um, you know, the fields of in Christian circles too. And, you know, he was successful. I think there was a stat when I worked there that around like nine upwards of 95% of people match on eHarmony um, stayed together. They didn't what? get divorced. Wait, yeah. mm -hmm. stop it. 
Yes. 95% <laughs> of people who got yeah. married, being matched through eHarmony, mm-hmm. stayed married. Married, exactly. Okay, wait, yes. now time out, time out. I, ha- <laughs> I have to put a caveat here because somebody listening thinks that this is an ad for eHarmony. Listen, it's eHarmony- not, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> eHarmony, please pay me. Actually, can you be an ad on this show? We're doing this for free 99 because we love love. You and I are passionate about healthy relationships and this is not an ad for eHarmony. I just happened to meet my husband through that and you happened to work there. Okay. So I just felt like I had to put a disclaimer. This is not an ad. Yes, exactly. Okay. So that being said, what was your role at eHarmony? What did you help in the process? Yeah. So I worked as a professional matchmaker for um, a service they created. Um, Green that, job. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> it really was. Um, and basically it was for people who wanted to kind of up level the service with eHarmony. So we would go through someone's compatible matches if they worked with us. Um, we would interview those people. So I was kind of a recruiter for their love lives. Um, I would interview them. And based on my background as a psychologist, I would think about if I felt like they were compatible beyond just the algorithm and connect them with my client. Then I would coach my client through the dating process. And we would also do what's called date feedback. So I'd get feedback after a date um, about, you know, how did it go? What are some ways to improve and uh, really help the clients find love? So that's kind of what my role was there. (laughs) Wow. Okay. We're going to pivot and transition to some questions, but before we do, I want to know in your psychological research as a researcher, um, but then also working for eHarmony, there is this, this phrase, opposites attract, opposites attract. And there's a lot of things that are opposite about my husband and I, Matt, but we were based on compatibility and literally just reading his profile. I mean, I didn't even have to meet the man. And I was like, wow, there is something really hot about this guy. And it wasn't the external, though. I think my husband's incredibly handsome. It wasn't the external. There was something about him, this je ne sais quoi. So the question I'm asking you is do opposites attract? Hi friends. I'm interrupting the podcast to tell you about an amazing new service I found called Framebridge. Framebridge makes it super easy and affordable to frame your favorite items from art prints and posters to travel photos sitting on your phone. Here's how it works. Just go to framebridge.com and upload a photo or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Instead of paying hundreds for a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use my code going there. Get started today. Frame your photos and send someone the most perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use the promo code going there to save an additional 15% off your first order. That's a great question. And I think one of the things that we really find in research is that actually the more similar you are in important ways with a potential partner, the more compatible you are. And this goes really against cultural beliefs or what you'll see on a uh, romantic comedy, what (laughs) other people will tell you. And I think that's, you know, also as a believer, I think sometimes we're called to be in the world, but not of it and not kind of buy into these stories that, oh, you complete me and you need somebody else (laughs) to complete you, but rather what are the ways that we should be similar and what are some ways that we can complement each other? Because obviously we're, you know, we complement each other in uh, relationships as well, but it's really important to be similar in specific ways rather than looking for someone to complete an area that you don't feel, um, you know, sufficient in. 
Yeah. So this is what I want to do as we move forward for people who are listening, who are married, the, I don't want them to tune out or tune off. And the reason why this is super important is because especially for those in faith is 69, roughly 69% of the church is single. And so we have, if you are married, amazing, but I think there's going to be principles that we're going to talk about that we can apply to our regular relationships, married or single, but we all know somebody who's single. And my fear is that singles have been stigmatized within the church because people don't understand and you fear what you don't understand. And I think people are fearful to talk about single friends, about relationships because they don't want them to feel bad or feel like their time has passed or feel old. But I think that the language today will be helpful and they could share this podcast with loved ones, or they can have language in communicating in regular conversations with those that are single. So with that being said, um, I want to kind of focus on online dating and I want your expert wisdom because for those that have listened to the show or heard me preach about dating relationships, I have lots of opinions on this, but now I feel like we have a learned educated woman. That's going to like drop the hammer. So, um, let's move from online dating to dating and then steps after dating. Like, what does that look like? So let's talk about online dating. I'm fascinated with this. I'm obsessed with this. In fact, there is a girl on our church staff. Her name is Chelsea, who I have been nagging her to get on, you know, online dating. So we downloaded. And when I say we, I literally mean we (laughs) actually, I'm going to change that me because I paid for her eHarmony subscription Mm -hmm. and then we built out a hinge profile and then we built out a coffee meets bagel profile. And I literally would go through comb through her images, work on her profile. I mean, I'm talking about schnazzy little comments to engage people, but I want to talk from your expert wisdom. How is online dating important or is it? And then what are the steps that we should be aware of in online dating? Yeah. Great question. And I love what you're doing for your staff member. I was like, do you want to work for me? Cause we do that. I with totally our, for our do. Clients. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I do. <laughs> yeah. So we do that exactly that for our clients. And I think that nowadays what we really have to come to terms with, and especially in the church, um, that online dating is just another way that we could meet the right person and it's a more informed way. So the recent statistics have said, you know, pre-COVID that if you meet somebody, they say in a bar, but I'll just say in general and out in the world, you have less than a 7% chance of exactly. actually developing a long-term relationship. Yes. So when we say, oh, I just want to meet somebody, you know, randomly, we're basically saying that we want to take that statistical risk <laughs> and have very low chances of that actually developing into to a relationship. And why is that? It's because we don't have enough information about the person to make that kind of decision. All we have is chemistry. And yeah. from what also eHarmony says, chemistry is one of the dimensions of compatibility, but it's not the whole thing. So we need mm-hmm. it, but that's not all we need. So it's really important for singles to keep in mind that, you know, God can bring you the right person in many different ways, but we also want to be doing our part, taking care of our side of the street. And, um, you know, uh, trying to reach out, um, you know, kind of pursue options that are available to us both online and potentially through friends. I love what you said to uh, Mary Couples. I think that's a really great way to keep your eye out and yeah. serve your single friends mm-hmm. instead of just saying, oh, I'll pray for you. Like, how can we uh, be in action and connecting people as well? But I think that right now um, in today's day and age, especially post-COVID, if you're not online dating, you might want to really be prayerful about, you know, maybe God is really calling you to a season that now is not the right time to date, but you really want to be prayerful about what can I do 
in this desire and while also trusting God. Obviously we can do our part. I use this analogy of applying to a job pretty frequently. So if you wanted a job um, and you were praying for it every day, but you weren't sending out any applications, you might want to question if you really want a job. Hello. Uh, so same thing in dating. If you're saying, oh, I'm waiting for the right person, but you're not doing anything, you're not using what the avenues that God um, has given you, then you really want to maybe do some internal work. Maybe there's something else blocking you from that desire. Listen, listen, sister, all I'm going to say is that this is the stuff that I say in different form and probably less refined and without (laughs) a degree from the University of Southern California, go Trojans. (laughs) But I co-sign on this absolutely and completely. It's like I have this theory, the taxi light theory that, you know, how do you know a taxi is how do you know a taxi is open and available? Their light is on. And if we're not Mm -hmm. putting signals out there that we are available, then guess what? No one's going to know. So 100%. So for those that maybe are listening to this and like, oh, I'm kind of on the fence, I'm not too sure. Or maybe they've already crossed over and they're doing um, online dating. What are some tips that you can give singles um, on what they're putting out on their profile? Because I've always said like doing online dating is we're all familiar with building a brand, Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Nike. They're very intentional about what they're putting out. Well, guess what? When you are on social media, when you are on online dating apps, guess what? you are communicating the same thing. So give Mm -hmm. me some practical tips that we can share with the listeners on what an online profile should and should not include. Yes. I love what you tell people. It's definitely all about your personal brand, basically that you're sharing through your online profile. And the way that I really work with clients is I help them reverse engineer their online dating profile based on what you're looking for. So I help clients create what I call a criteria sandwich. So it's like the must haves is the top bun. It's thin. There's like a few things on there. You can put as much in the, on the inside as you want, as many toppings, banana peppers, whatever, if you're in Subway um, <laughs> for the like to have. And then the deal breakers is also thin. You don't want too much bread. We don't want to carb load our That's criteria great. sandwich. So I really help people decide, okay, what's really important to you? And then we re- reverse engineer the profile and create it from that perspective. So similar to branding, when someone says, okay, we're talking to this person, you want to go onto an online dating profile and say, okay, I want to be talking to my future partner. Um, and what would they really uh, gravitate towards? What would light them up that I put on my profile? So very frequently, if I'm working with someone faith-based, if their faith is really important to them, then I always say, um, create and answer the questions that they give you that are connected to faith. So there's a very easy way to do that. You know, your typical Sunday, say that you go to church or Bible study or something. And that's a little taxi light that someone else who's a believer that faith and community is important is going to connect with you based on that. Um, I also say that your photos are really prime real estate. So you want to be putting photos that are really accurate to who you are. So no catfishing or highly editing or whatever. I love makeup. I never say, you know, (laughs) don't look nice, but you know, you want to show yourself both, you know, accurately and in your natural habitat, things that you enjoy doing, conversation starters. So you really don't want to put like a mediocre photo. You want to put it on social media. Don't put it on your online dating profile. Um, And then the other thing that I say is, 
Um, sometimes people can judge the profile way too much. Like you're already deciding the profile is your dating, your marriage proposal, but really it's more about if you want to have a conversation with somebody. So don't overly emphasize or read between the lines or read into someone's profile. Just say, okay, do they meet my main criteria? And then transition them to having the conversation. The point of the app is to get off the app. So don't overanalyze someone's um, and think you're going to find out if someone's your husband um, just based on reading their profile profile, just use that as part of the process of like, okay, they meet generally what I'm looking for. I'm somewhat um, attracted to them. I'm going to move to the next phase. I love that. This is gold. Somebody better be like pausing <laughs> and writing this trash down in their journal. Okay. Um, one of the things that I've been just laughing about as I'm going through Chelsea's profiles, because I do have access to them and I clean out and, you know, I, the way that I explained it to her and, and the way I explained it to other people is that this is basically a resume. And so you're not going to get the full dimension of the person one of the things that frustrates me is when people will use prime real estate of photos to put pictures of their pets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I get that you love your dog. Dang I love my dog yeah. too, but you only have five photos and two of them are of your dang dog. Another yes. thing that drives me crazy is when people put multiple people in a photo. So then mm -hmm. you have to decide or determine, wait a minute, who's the one that's actually yes. single here and then no shade, but sometimes their friends are cuter than them. Cuter, and then you're exactly. like, Oh gosh, you just lowered your odds, baby. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think that the wisdom that you're sharing is so valuable and so good. So let's continue on. Let's move in the process. You meet somebody, you're paired with somebody. What levels of safety would you talk to people? Because what I'm seeing is, and it's a little bit of a concern is people are so excited to start dating, especially as we come out of COVID that they're just saying yes. And it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of wisdom in saying yes to who they're saying yes to, or going to safe places and meeting up in safe locations. Listen, I worked for an anti-human trafficking organization, so I am suspect of everybody, you know? <laughs> and, um, so I want to give, I want to make sure that there's like practical wisdom. Um, mm -hmm. in fact, when my husband had, we were, you said that the the goal is to get off the app. I think that that's wisdom. So my husband tried asking for my phone number and mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I've seen Craigslist, you know, how to catch, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen Datelines, how to catch a predator. So I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally tech, I, I, I chatted him back in the app and I said, Dr. Neil Clark Warren says, do not give out personal information. So I do not feel comfortable with this. Like I'm so <laughs> weird, so dorky and so weird, but safety is a big value for me. Yeah. So talk to mm -hmm. me about like, so let's say the goal is to get off of the app and we're going to meet, what are some boundaries, some wisdom, some guidelines that you'd recommend? Yeah, great points there. So something that I recommend, and I think this was kind of the gift that the pandemic gave us was the FaceTime date or the video chat. Oh, yeah. um, I recommend that still to my clients. I'm trying to make this a trend now in <laughs> dating in general, so because I think very frequently there's not enough that you can really get out of the profile and the messaging. I teach my clients to get from the messaging to a date within five messages or less, like asking the right questions. But a lot of times we get stuck in these text conversations yep. for weeks before you've even heard someone's voice or know that they actually match. And when I used to work with elderly clients, unfortunately, this was a huge way that there would be like financial abuse. Someone would try to be getting their bank account information. Um, all those sorts of things exist. So um, luckily a lot of like eHarmony, they have whole departments dedicated to trust and safety to make sure if someone's a fake profile, they're working on that. But you really want to make sure you're safeguarding yourself as well. Um, and one of the ways to do that is the FaceTime date. So that's that way. And, you know, if you don't feel comfortable giving your phone number, you know, create a zoom link, don't have your last name on it. Just have a quick chat, 
10 minutes. It doesn't have to be a full date, but you can get to know if you actually want to devote that time and energy and makeup on meeting somebody in person um, versus, you know, sometimes, and I always say discouragement is really the devil in dating. Um, we get really excited. We're talking to somebody for a few weeks. You're like, this could be the one. Then you go on the date, you invest all that time, new outfit, whatever. It does not go well. And then you say, okay, I so give up. Good. I'm going off um, the apps and I'm just going to give up. And we really want to protect against discouragement. And the way to do that is just keep moving. Uh, one of the great things about dating apps is that there's, it opens us up to a lot of more opportunities of people, but we do have to really guard our heart in that. And I think just having that quick chat and connection is a great way to do that. If they're not willing, that's a red flag um, to me if they don't want to do that. And then why would we think they want to invest further? Um, so that's something I definitely say. And then again, all the other safety things, making making sure that you're meeting in a public place during the day. Um, I always say to bookend uh, the, a first date. So yes. this is, um, you know, say, oh, I'm, I have a birthday party, whatever, <laughs> like make up something. Um, a hard end time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you don't feel like, you know, they don't feel offended, but just let them know, yeah, sure. I have an hour for brunch and a walk or whatever, but I have something after. And then allow that to keep the momentum going rather than having a five hour date for the first date. And then it feels like kind of emotionally exhausting. Just kind of, okay, then let's hang out a little bit longer the next time. So just pace yourself with that and really pay attention to guarding your heart. I, I think this is wisdom. I think this is absolute gold. One of the things that you had mentioned was um, that you should get to an action point about five texts into whatever app that you're using. And one of the things that might feel uh, I hope brings clarity to people is that if there is texting going back and forth, making sure that it's not just one word responses, that it's engaging at least to the next step so that you could execute. The goal is to execute. Mm -hmm. We don't need any online friends. Okay. Like the yes. goal is to execute. <laughs> I love the wisdom of the um, zoom date or the FaceTime date. Mm -hmm. I think that that's brilliant. I, mm -hmm. I mean, 100% agree. Now, um, one of the things, especially in this dating period that you had mentioned that chemistry is one component of the compatibility that was kind of like a mm -hmm. rubric for you guys. This is fascinating. I've never heard this. So what are the components of uh, compatibility that you guys used or that you're trained in? Yeah. So with eHarmony, there's actually 29 dimensions of compatibility and basically how they're, um, cut out into categories is personality, balance of passion and self-control is what they call it, gender roles, um, degree of closeness in relationships, empathy, um, worldview, how you see the world, like, um, are you more ha glass half full, glass half empty, uh, processing experiences. This has to do with wow. introversion, extroversion. There's kind of a lot of <laughs> dimensions, but they, we really look into all those. So that's why you have to fill out that huge questionnaire, um, with eHarmony, but it's really has a lot to do with your lifestyle and how your lives can really blend together as well as your values. So I really have taken that also into my work, which is values-based dating, you know, how, what are your core values and how do those align and how do those need to be similar with somebody? So, so there's a lot of dimensions, but those are kind of the area, some of the areas. I love it. I think that you took the absolute best and most important things from what you learned at eHarmony <laughs> and now you get to refine them with your own, your own judge. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we are now past the FaceTime date. We're now at the date. What are some key components? I think you said one of them, which is great. I always like to say that there's a hard stop time, but I love that you put the clarity on booking and ending it with like another event. That's so smart. You're, mm -hmm. I'm savage. I'm like, it's seven yes. o'clock and the date ends. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and do you have any more tips uh, or wisdom that you've learned in the years of study and then also doing it yourself because you are married? You know what I love? 
when relationship yes. experts and relationship coaches are actually married. It changes the game. Yeah. It really yeah. does. Totally. And, you know, I went through my own journey. I was a single matchmaker on dating apps for like over five years. I also worked with the match.com affiliate uh, company. So I've kind of seen the inside of all the dating apps I was in there. So I tried <laughs> out all these things myself. So, and also worked with many clients and helped them find love. So I've kind of I been in all of the stages, but yeah. But what I really say uh, when you're going on a date is you want to leave the checklist at home because oftentimes, especially I work with a lot of women in, in my work. And what happens is we're really in that analytical mindset. Still, we're trying to decide, okay, do I like this person or, and do I not? But what's happening is you're staying in your head and you're not mm. present. And when I would get feedback um, for, for, for my clients after they'd go on a date, very often I would hear from the men that, uh, oh, she wasn't interested. Or I didn't feel like she was interested. And that we can give off those, whether we're aware of it or not, we give off those vibes right away. And that makes them pull back. So you don't hear, you don't um, really get to know their true personality because they already think you don't like them. So same job analogy, you pretend you went to an interview, you felt like you felt like they were really standoffish or cold to you. So that allowed you to shut down. And then we're not allowing that chemistry and that connection to really form. So I say, try, and I really teach on getting your main questions answered beforehand um, and potentially on the FaceTime date. So when you're in person, you can just leave all that behind so and just see if you're having a good time. This is brilliant. I don't think people <laughs> understand. Like this is gold. People are getting a, a free like therapy <laughs> session with Dr. Christie. This is, this is yeah. amazing. Okay. So you're on the yes. date. Are there any things that you should stay away from? I have three things that I just tell people, Hey, stay away from these, but what from your research background, is there anything you should stay away from? Hi friends, I'm interrupting the podcast with a did you know. Did you know that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair? If you're among them, you're not alone and there's a solution. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol, with many users raving that this supplement not only transformed the hair, but restored their confidence too. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to prove and improve their hair thickness and less shedding through any stages of the seasons of life. Healthier hair takes time to grow. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code going there to save $15 your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com and don't forget the promo code going there. Yeah. So really what's important is that you want to keep the conversation in the first date specifically more on just general topics, more on connection. And if you have some areas of similarity, that's great to expand on. So what I say on the first two dates is to really get to know if you just enjoy conversation and then dates like three to five or what I call context dates. So you want to get to know somebody in context. So you're going on a hike or you're going to a museum, um, you're learning things about them. Do they open the door for people? Do they, are they nice to other people around them? Are they uh, looking at every other girl <laughs> in the space that you're in? Um, are they making eye contact? Those things, you can't really learn a lot of things when someone's just talking to you back and forth. You know, a lot of the things that people tell me are important to them. Are, they're a nice person, they're generous. If you ask that to somebody 
anybody on a date, they're going to say, sure, but you don't know really who they are. So you want to get to those contact states. And the first is you just want to know if you kind of have more of that connection and chemistry. And obviously you want to get your main questions answered um, beforehand, in my opinion. But if you have the shared faith, for example, I say stay away from like talking shop. Um, so if you have a lot of people end up fi finding people in similar fields or they know a lot about someone's job. So then all you're talking about is the job um, or whatever. And I say that that really can kind of take away from that potential for chemistry because you're just intellectually uh, engaging rather than emotionally. And you really need to have all those levels of chemistry to know if someone's a good fit and build that strong foundation. So you don't ever want to kind of rely on that crutch of, oh, okay, well, we're both you know, teachers. So we're just going to all talk about teachers. That's kind of artificial connection. It's not true connection. So those are some of the things that I say, but um, generally I think that more, you, you don't really want to go too deep into the topics on the first or second date. Okay. So I'm so fascinated by this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going out of, out of my own flow that I created for this episode, because <laughs> I'm just dying to know, you say that you've connected with your clients and some of your male clients, the so not names, but who are these men? Yeah. <laughs> Male clients that I've worked with before. Yeah. Like not that like, oh, like yeah. so, so I, I think, I think I'm a little bit, um, this feels like foreign terrain to think about oh, yeah, yeah. men who are seeking out a dating coach or a matchmaker. So, oh, yes. <laughs> so is it because they don't have time? Is it because they're awkward? Do you coach? What if, mm -hmm. what if them, they just need a haircut and shave? Like, are you that straight yeah. up with them? <laughs> Cause that's the way I yeah, am, but I'm, I'm like, I'm a little savage totally. and ain't nobody paying me. So I'm going to tell you my two cents. What about you? Yeah. I, yeah, I work with, yeah, I work with men and women and have worked with, you know, people in all walks of life. So I've worked with celebrities, professional athletes, single parents, um, busy executives, doctors, you know, all the, the run, the whole gamut, but specifically the men that I'm working for or working with that work with me, they are really looking for love. Um, they probably don't have as much time or they're not mm. finding there's something in the like dating process that isn't really working for, for them. I love working with like what I call the nerdy guys because I think they have really good hearts and they just maybe need a little bit of refinement to connect with people. So it's a lot of that. Yeah, tough love. Um, I obviously like to do it with some kindness, but I'm pretty honest about you need new photos. You need to get a new wardrobe. And I work with people with that too. I have photographer friends, stylist friends, you know, whatever it is, because ultimately I'm not trying to change anybody, um, you know, who they are, but we're just wanting to help them to un like take off that shell and, and the mask, so to speak, to allow their true personality to shine. And unfortunately in our, you know, I live in LA, we live in Southern mm -hmm. California. Unfortunately, there is a huge image focus. And I also worked with people all over the nation. So in different areas, there's a different focus, you know, someone in Boston is going to care more about their pedigree or New York, more about like what they do for work um, than in LA. So unfortunately we kind of have to work around those things and I have different tips for depending on where you live but I think it is also part of that honesty of like okay there's if you make these little tweaks you could take away the barriers that are keeping you from love I I absolutely am so fascinated with this conversation you basically have my dream job like this is my dream job okay so this is I think is a great pivot point because you had said that you don't want to change people so now for those that are in relationship these are some of the questions that I that I got one girl wrote in and said, uh, do you have the right to ask a partner to change? I asked my boyfriend to not party so much, but he didn't change. Am I in the wrong? 
That's a great question. So what I really say when it comes to relationship dynamics is getting to the root of, you know, what about that is really painful for you. So is there something that your partner's doing that is triggering something in you? Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's fear that they're not going to be the type of partner that you want them to be your parent that you want them to be. Um, you know, maybe there's other fears going on. So get to the heart of that initially. Um, and second, unfortunately we can't change people's behavior, but we can make decisions and create boundaries around that too. So if you come to a place where you're, you know, you're in a relationship that's not working for you, you can have that conversation of, okay, this is really what I imagine for my relationship. This is what isn't really working for me. And once you have that conversation and you have that clear communication, then you're communicating your boundary. You can't force someone to change. You can pray for them. You can do your part. You can also focus on working on yourself if there's a dynamic, because I always say that it only takes one person to change the dance. So if you have a dynamic with your partner that isn't really healthy, you work on yourself and how you're communicating and how you can show that godly love to your partner, the dynamic's going to change. It has no choice um, but to. But I think some of those things that just in, exist in their individual life, we can't change, but we can set boundaries around what works for us or what doesn't um, and communicate those really clearly rather than you know getting upset or fighting or whatever. Um, we really want to get to the root of what it's doing for us and if that dynamic is working for us or not. Hunty, let me tell you, I'm over here super <laughs> convicted, okay? Because you're like, if there's the dynamic thing. And I'm realizing, oh my gosh, I actually can change this, this one dynamic in my own marriage. So Mm -hmm. I I keep on looking at Matt, like, well, if Matt could do this, then we'd be fine. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. So hashtag convicted. Okay. Another question came in about, um, timing. I'm a huge advocate for timing and wanting people to date at the right time. So I see a lot of people and granted, we've come out of a crazy year where many people haven't dated, but even within that, specifically within the confines of like church and Christianity, it feels like the dating pool is very limited. And so when people are asked out, it's like, oh my gosh, they're down the aisle. They're planning their honeymoon. They're looking at wedding rings and they're not even pausing to say, is this the right time? It could be the right person, but maybe they're coming out of a job transition or a divorce or, you know, a different life plan. Like talk to me about your thoughts on timing. That's a great point. And I love that you share that. And something I always say when someone's searching for love is that there are two things that you can't control, which are timing and chemistry. So I really believe that God is going to bring that right person and that chemistry um, at the right time, but you can't control that. You can't say, okay, I'm ready, but God doesn't think you're ready or that doesn't think the other person's ready either. So I think that's a really hard thing for us to swallow because we want what we want and we want it now. We're the microwave mentality culture, but I do really believe the things that we can change. And one of those falls in exactly into what you're saying is that emotional work and doing that work on ourselves. So often when we're in a time of transition, we're just coming out of a relationship. We are feeling that insecurity, that anxiety, that fear, and that's leading us straight into another relationship or wanting another relationship. But unfortunately, we're not changing the underlying pattern or the underlying, you know, your attract if you keep being with the same type of person, it keeps not working out. So we really need that reflection and that work on ourselves, working on our side of the street in order to change that for your next relationship. And often I think, especially we live in the time of social media and everyone's posting every other day, this person got engaged, this person had a kid. And we talk about this in my um, dating coaching group all the time with the women. It's like every day, it seems like someone's getting something 
that we really want and we're not getting it. But when we stop looking at it in that way and think more of like, how can I use this time? And God's put me here for a reason during this time. Um, we create so many endless possibilities for ourselves to grow. I know that for my own life, that the timing of when I got married, if I had dated and married the person that I was thinking I would at that time, I would have never pursued my doctorate, but I never worked at eHarmony, yeah. all these things. I would have just said, okay, I'm married. Like my purpose is done. So we really have to um, take that reflective look and say, am I just wanting to do this? Cause I think this is the next right thing to do. Or do I really feel called to be there? And I feel emotionally ready to go out there. So I think that that's really true. And oftentimes, unfortunately, and I work on this in the first part of my program is getting single in your mindset. Oftentimes we think we're single, we're out of the relationship. We don't have that status anymore, but are, we're still emotionally taken up um, in our minds with a past relationship, past beliefs, past patterns. We have to shift from that and be truly single um, in our mind before we can be in a right relationship. This is some gold. I am, I'm a serious <laughs> heart attack. Listen, uh, we don't usually, usually go this long in podcasts, but I, I just love it. I love it. I, I, I hope, I hope the listeners are as jazzed about you as I am. Okay. So I want to just kind of pivot with just one more, two more questions, but one mm -hmm. uh, podcast listener wrote in and said, I am in a long-term relationship for three years and we love each other, but there's no traction or decisions towards the future. How long do I stay? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, so I, something that I tell people quite frequently is the thing that we think is the problem is often not the main problem. <laughs> so oftentimes we'll think, oh, the problem here is that he's not committing or we're not making the next step, but maybe there's something else going on that we really have to address first. So I would say really look at the dynamics of your relationship. Are there other things that need to be worked on? We think if we just got married or we just took the next step, everything would be solved, but there's a reason for that inertia. There's a reason when we're stuck and it might be that they, they don't want to, or they're not ready, or it might be that there's other things going on that we actually have to look at rather than being laser focused on just the result, like we were mm. talking about. So I would just really encourage that again, open communication without threats or ultimatums. I know that that happens a lot. Um, but really, even if you gave an ultimatum, if your relationship isn't healthy, you don't want to take that next step. If you're not both on the same page, both really doing that inner work and both believing the same things about why you want to get married, what the purpose of that is. So getting, focusing on that first, before you focus on the result is really what's going to help you lead to that point And that decision. Oftentimes we just have so much anxiety about the decision because we think that's, what's going to give us the security when we're in married or whatever. But unfortunately, if there's some dynamics that are at play, you're not going to feel secure when you have the ring either. Oh, so I really encourage that. This is good. Okay. So as we wrap up this podcast, Dr. Christie, for the single guy, the single girl that's listening, what, what can you suggest that they do in this season of singleness? What's your heart for them? Yeah, great question. So I had this moment when I got out of a relationship um, and I was like, okay, what is going to happen if um, I don't get married? I just created this, you know, um, idea in my mind. I said, okay, like, let's say I don't get married, whether I do or don't, how I was approaching it was not working. I was anxious. I was desperate. I was like, okay, I need to get married. There were a lot of cultural expectations um, and in the church expectations. And I basically said, okay, I'm just going to be doing what I would be doing, whether I got married or not. 
like what God's calling me to do, what I want to be doing right now. And that completely changed the game for me because I figured if I was going to meet the right person, looking back, I, I would say, um, why did I waste that time just worrying and waiting and not doing things I enjoyed, or I would just keep creating the life that I love if God, that wasn't in God's plan for me. But I think so often we're just waiting to be happy. And when we have that, when I find someone, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. The when then thinking that just leads to not living in the moment, you know, God's called us to rejoice in this day, um, and stay where feet are planted. So I really encourage you to have that thing. Okay. Like, what would I be doing today? What would I be doing tomorrow? If whether or not that happens, and then that really allows you to live in the present and live like God's will for you rather than living in the future. Because if you're going to get married, I think if it's your desire, it's going to happen, or it's not if that ends up not happening. And either way, you're going to feel like you wasted today if you're just worrying about it. I love this. Your wisdom, your insight, your perspective, and as many years as you spent dedicating to education, I just want to say I am grateful for it. You are making relationships happen, but you're rooting them in a strong and sure foundation. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I'll put in the show notes ways that people can connect with you and get more information about you. But thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Bianca. I love this. Y'all, this episode was long because it was worth it. I'm so grateful for Dr. Christie's time. And if you want to show her some love, I know it'd mean a lot to her. You could share her episode with your friends and tag at Bianca Oltoff and at the date Dr. Christie to show some love. Speaking of love, if you love this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you shared the show with your friends, wrote a review, and subscribed to the show. It helps allow this podcast to go further, farther, and faster. Can't wait for you to join us next week for a brand new episode. Thanks, friend.